We're in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this is our third week in what's called the, the Lord's Prayer. And it's called, called that because it's where Jesus pauses in the middle of his, his sermon, and he teaches us, or teaches his disciples, how to pray. And he teaches us how to pray. And I, I'm excited about this because in our church, what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to, to commit ourselves to prayer. We, we Specifically, what we've been doing is we've been asking God to pour out his spirit upon us and the other churches along the Grand Strand. We're, we're praying for awakening or renewal or revival for us and for the Grand Strand. And we're doing so because God instructs us this in Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, there's a, a great many things that we want to see God do in our church. There's a great many things that we want to see God do in our families. There's a great many things that we want to see God do in our community. But we know that all of that happens whenever we seek the face of the Lord and we call out to him. Did you hear that in that, in that verse? You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your hearts. But as we begun to try to make the, the turn to become a, a people of prayer, I know that I found myself asking, as the disciples did, Lord, teach me what it means to pray. And now here we are. This is really cool that the first two weeks we're in the section that where Jesus is actually teaching us how to pray. And in the first two weeks, we covered the first three requests that are in the Sermon on the Mount. They're all focused on God's glory, on, on, his, on him, on his agenda. And now we begin the, the last three, which are personal requests. So that's, I know it's already been read once, so we've sung it together, but let's look again. If you have your Bible or your app, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. I'm going to pray, I'm going to read the whole prayer again, and then we're going to focus on specifically on verse 11 this morning. Pray then like this. You hear people screaming? Nothing's wrong. It's just the kids having a great time. And don't be jelly that you're not in there. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the first question that we want to ask, we look at verse 11, give us this day, our daily bread, is why is the first thing that after we've asked for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, why is the, the first thing that we pray, God, give us today our daily bread? Why would that be the first thing that we pray? It, it seems so interesting that there are a number of scholars and pastors that whenever they read this prayer, they assumed that Jesus can't be talking about physical food. He has to be talking about something spiritual rather than something physical. Because we've been praying these, these grand prayers. God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or uh, we adore your name. God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we turn around and say, God, give me what I need to eat today. 
Why would, after we pray those soaring requests, why would the request be something so mundane as, give me what I need to eat today, Lord, I pray. I think it actually means exactly what it says. I think it's a prayer for God to provide my daily sustenance. But, But why is that important? Why is it important that we pray that? I think, first of all, we see that it's a reminder. This prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is a reminder of our daily need for everything that we need coming from the hand of God himself. It's a reminder that we are finite human beings. When I pray, when I think about, God, you are Father in heaven, I pray that your name would be adored and hallowed and set apart as holy and great and awesome. I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done here. I am, though, a finite human being. That daily bread, the wording there is the the, the wording is for what I need for today and tomorrow. And that's all it extends to. God, give me today what I need for today Or if I'm praying this at night, give me what I need tomorrow. But that's as far as I can look forward. And it includes not just bread, obviously. It includes all of food, all of sustenance. But includes everything that we need. That's a key word. We'll come back to that. Everything that we need for daily life. Everything that we need to survive. See, we are, you and I are constantly told that you and I have limitless abilities, that we can do whatever we want to do, that we can be whatever we want to be, and we can achieve whatever we want to achieve. The, what, what, are we, what is the, the myth that's told us? You're, you, the only limit is what you can dream. The only limit is what you can, is the extent of how hard that you're willing to work. And that's, honestly, that's an incredible amount of pressure on us as Americans. And though we are incredibly surrounded by luxury, it's why many of us are often Uh, broken down, depressed, overwhelmed, tired. What is the thing that we say to each other when we, how are you doing? I'm tired or I'm busy. There's an incredible amount of pressure because we're told that, that our modern superheroes are those who have seemingly limitless wealth and limitless abilities. They're almost superhuman in what they're able to do and though we should be able to do the same ourselves. We are almost limitless But you and I need reminders that you and I are not limitless. We are limited. No matter how well that you think you provided for yourself and your family, no matter how well you think you provided for your loved ones, no one, actually, no one has control of such things. We are all limited. We are all finite. It's a reminder of that when we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a reminder I am finite or I am limited as a human being. But it's also a reminder that that God, the God that we are praying to, is sovereignly in control of all things. Did you hear how it's worded? Give us this day our daily bread. We have to have our bread, our sustenance for what we need for everyday life. We have to have it given to us. You may think that you worked for it and you earned it, but we have to have it given to us because there is a sovereign Lord over all things. And he is, this is both good news and scary news for many of us. Because many of us don't want a God who is sovereign and control of us. And many of us don't want a God who's actually actively involved in my life. I feel like he's meddling in my business. 
But the good news for those of us who have found him to be good is that he is active and involved in every minute detail of life, even down to what am I going to have enough food today to live? He's actively involved in that, even our basic daily needs. And it causes us to remember or at least or to see that that he's at work behind and under all of our efforts. Right. There's there's nothing that exists apart from the power of God. That doesn't mean that we don't put in hard effort and hard work. We have to work to survive. It takes effort like the bread doesn't just appear on your table, does it? Like. You have to work for it or you have to bake it if you're Janet Glendening every morning. Amazing superwoman. It doesn't just appear there, does it, Janet? It takes work and effort. But what this is a reminder is that all the work and effort that Janet puts into grinding the wheat and baking the bread... All of that effort that she puts in... All of that undergirding, all that effort and all that work is the power of God that holds it together and created it and sustains it by the word of his power. The reminder is that behind and undergirding all of my effort is God. He's the one that that keeps it together. It's a reminder. It's not a reminder like, oh, that's a neat fact. God is behind everything that I do. It's a reminder, and this is, this is the example that I use because I hate heights, as some of you guys know. It's a reminder. I, so I can't imagine people who, for pleasure, go out and climb rocks. I, don't under, I, don't, it, I feel like something's broken in their head or something's broken in my head. But when they're up there climbing the rock, and it just it makes, I can feel it now, like a, a little, little mist coming in. Like, like, like yeah, I, it makes me a little nervous, honestly, right now. Think, but when they're up there climbing the rock, when they look down and they're thousands of feet in the air and they look down, they don't think, oh, that's neat. They're reminded that's a long fall. And that's the kind of reminder that this reminder is. It's not, oh, it's neat that God sustains everything and is behind all effort. It's that kind of reminder like, oh, no matter what I think, no matter what I believe, no matter how confident I am in myself, there's a God who is above and greater and he's the one who's behind and holding it all together. And that's a needed reminder for some of us. Now there are some of us in this room who you know what it feels like to need your daily bread, to to cry out to God because you need your bread today and tomorrow. Because you're not sure where it's gonna come from. And if that's you, you may, here, here's what I want you to hear this morning. You may think you're not blessed by God because you look around and everybody around you, seemingly everybody around you, and they've got all that they need for today and tomorrow and next week and the week after that. And you think, I, I'm, I'm just hoping I have bread tomorrow for myself and my family. And if that's, that's your thought, you might think, I'm not blessed by God, but I, I want to tell you something different. That Here's a question. When, was Elijah not blessed by God when he was, was resting upon God to bring food in the beaks of the ravens to feed him day by day? He had no control. He had no ability to produce any food for himself in the middle of the drought. And yet he was totally reliant that this morning when I wake up, God's going to send a raven again with food in his, in his beak for me to eat this morning. Was he not blessed by God? 
He experienced the daily sustenance of God. Were the Hebrews not blessed by God as they went to bed every night in the wilderness and they had to rely upon God, will you tomorrow rain manna down from heaven so that I can feed myself and my family? Were they not blessed by God? They were aware of the beautiful and powerful truth that it is up to God to provide us and give us our daily bread. You may feel forgotten. You may feel that people around you consider you as low. But I want you to know something. You are afforded a singular blessing in this society that is mad about money. You are provided a singular blessing to know that you need your daily bread to be provided directly to you from God. And some of us need that reminder. Some of us need that reminder. Because this line, when we go through the the Lord's Prayer, it's easy to go through the whole Lord's Prayer just without even thinking about it, right? But this line in particular, in our society, it's easy to dismiss and shrug off because our smug minds are filled with a false security. You and I think we have plenty of food at home for not only for today or tomorrow, but for days ahead. And if I didn't have it, I could purchase more or I can eat out. Even then, if something happened, I could appeal to family and to friends or their government programs I can go to receive food from. We've progressed beyond that that area of need as a society for our daily bread from God. We can read that prayer, recount it in our hearts and sing like it's it's a line for somebody else in a different situation to pray. But do you know what kind of language Jesus used to describe that kind of person? who has that kind of attitude, he would call that person a fool. This is how I know that. Because he told a parable in Luke 12, making a a different point, but using a similar situation where there was a rich man who had such a great income, a, a, a push of income that suddenly came in a wave of income that he didn't have barns big enough to hold it. And he said, here's what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns to hold more and more. And I'll say, eat, drink, and be merry. Because I am well provided for. He said, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But here's what Jesus said next. It says that, but God said to that man, fool, hear that? Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you prepared, whose will they be? The point that Jesus was making in that parable was about laying up treasures for yourself and not being rich towards God. But the application is the same. And we aren't aware of our need for God to provide our daily bread. All the things that we need. And we're trusting in ourselves. And we're ignoring, ignoring the sovereignty of the almighty God. We think we're already prepared, provided for. I'm already prepared but we're actually smug. We think that we've been wise, but we're actually fools. And when and if we bow to give thanks for our food, we do that, right? Let's have dinner, let's give thanks. Or we give thanks at the end of the day for God's help. At that moment, if that's our attitude, if that's our heart posture, at that moment, whatever we think and feel isn't true thankfulness to God. Not the kind that's actually due to him. 
Because part of you thinks in the back of your head or maybe the front of your head, I would have this anyway. How foolish. There's a story I think I've told before. It's been a while. We were at the the beach one day. We had got some sandwiches. I was young. I was like, I don't know, four or five years old. And uh, we, we ate at the beach and, you know, the seagulls, they came in and, Man, I just thought it was just amazing. We were feeding the seagulls with the leftover bread, and you know, parents were telling me, "Be careful, they're going to poop on your head." And the whole thing it was all—it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was exciting when you're four or five years old. This, that's very exciting to see the seagulls going crazy around you, right? I didn't know they were flying rats at the time. I just thought they were a lot of fun. And we went and got in the car, and we we drove. I grew up in Conway. We drove back to Conway, and we had to go to a, a grocery store. And we we pulled into the parking lot, and there were seagulls hanging out in the gro- in the parking lot. And I thought. What are, what are seagulls doing here in the parking lot in Conway? And I'm like, Dad, where do those seagulls come from? And he said, they followed us. <laughs> they followed us from the beach because they knew that we had the bread. And they flew all the way here. And now they're waiting for us to get bread again. Well, that's a silly story. But I believed it. Not just when I was four and five, but... Years later, I was telling people, you know the seagulls that are in Conway? We brought them. We had a sub at the beach, and that's why they're here. They migrated here because of, because of my family. See, the problem with that story isn't that, it's, isn't that I believed at age five. The problem is that I believed it at an older age. That's what foolishness is. Being wise and truly successful isn't being independent. It's realizing the depth of your dependence on your creator. It's realizing your limitations and your weaknesses. Are you wise or foolish? Hear the reminder of this profound prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a reminder, but it's also a request where we're asking our heavenly father to provide. Jesus is instructing us to what's called petition the father for what we need. That's what this kind of prayer is called. It's called a petition. A petition is an appeal or request. I'm making an appeal to God or request to God for something. And Jesus is teaching us that we're supposed to bring our requests, bring our petitions, bring requests for our needs to the Father in prayer. And this includes our daily, seemingly mundane kind of needs. Daily bread means everything that we need. It means food and clothing and Uh, a place to stay. It means companionship. It means all the things that we need as human beings to survive today. And Jesus says that we're to ask, we're to come and ask our Heavenly Father for everything that we need today. What does that mean? Because just before this prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, here in the sermon, Jesus tells us that the Father knows what we, what we need before we ask. So why should we pray for it? Is it just perfunctory? Is it some silly exercise? Does it actually matter if we make our request? This is what I want you guys to think about. As you're, many of us here, comfortable, middle class, think about this. 
Does it really matter if we make a request known to him or not? Is he just going to respond however he wants to, whether we pray or not, however he wants anyway? How are we to think about bringing our deepest needs to God? Hard to think about that. Well, here's how we have to think about it. Think about what we just prayed in this prayer. It starts, our Father in heaven. Who are we praying to? Are we praying to a, a faceless, nameless deity? Are we praying to some force or some power? Are we praying to a being who's pretty good but not very powerful or a being who's powerful or not very good? No, we're praying to our Father in heaven, the God of heaven and earth who created the universe, who holds it together by the word of his power, the God who is overall and in control of all things, the God whose power would astound us and causes people to fall down on their faces as if dead whenever they see a glimpse of him. That God is our Father. He has been made our Abba, our Daddy is the word. Your father in heaven has all power in his hand and he is your father. He is your Abba and he invites you. His, his son invites you in and instructs you to call him Abba, Daddy, Father. Father, you know all that I have need, but yet I'm coming to you asking you. I know that you all know everything. I know that you have all power in your hands, but I'm asking you, would you give me this day our daily bread? How would be your name? What kind of approach do we make to God? And it's an approach of adoration and worship. That God in heaven who is so powerful and great has made himself your father. That breeds worship back to, back to him. It breeds love and devotion in our hearts. Adoration and worship. And we pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our posture. Submission and humility to the king of kings. Because you are God in heaven and I am not. I am submitting as your son, as your daughter, as your child. I'm submitting to you and saying, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life and in this area. I'm coming in humility before the king of kings who is also my father. And these first few lines, they don't just inform us and instruct us. This is how you should pray. They, these words flow from a heart that has experienced the almighty God as their father. Anybody can recite these words. But only someone who's experienced the cry of the spirit within their souls, Abba, Father has had their hearts turn in adoration to him and truly in joyful submission cries that his kingdom would come in my life, that his will be, would be done in my life, no matter whether I think it's wise or not, whether I would rather something else happen or not, like Jesus Christ, the cry of my soul is not my will, but yours be done. Only someone who has tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good, only someone who has tasted and seen the Lord, he is good, cries out for his rule and reign to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. A soul that hasn't tasted it, it's just theory or you don't really mean it. 
Only someone who's tasted and seen the Lord is good, that he is good, willingly submits their will to the fathers as a superior will. Not as judging, God, I, I want your will, but show me what it is first so I can decide whether I want to go that way or not. But regardless of what you give me, regardless of what you say, your will is superior and you are superior. May it be done on earth as it is in heaven and not just out there, but in my heart, in my life. And it's from that heart, a heart that's tasted and seen the Lord is good, a heart that has within its soul a cry of Abba, Father, coming from our soul. It's from that heart that we pour out our petitions before our God and our King. See, a petition isn't just a, a request or an appeal. It, it's, a, it's a request or appeal to someone who is superior. It's, a, it's wording from a royal court. See, you can ask a friend to borrow money. I can ask Dale, hey, loan me some cash? He'll probably say no, but I can ask him. I can ask you for some money. I can apply to a bank for a loan, but you don't come to a king with an application. You don't come to a king with a request, like a, just a, to borrow some money. You come to a king and you make a petition to the king. You bring a humble petition to a sovereign ruler because they owe you nothing. They have no need for you to owe them a favor. It's not like, hey, oh, hey, give me some money, I'll pay you back. You petition them. You humble yourself in a proper relationship to, to them as one as subordinate, and you appeal to their mercy. You appeal to their mercy. It's a feeling of, of exposure and vulnerability. I'm coming to you. I have these needs. You have all power in your hand to give me what I need and what I'm asking you. And I'm coming to you vulnerable and in my weakness exposed and saying, would you please grant this request? I'm appealing to your mercy. I think many of us don't pray as much as we know that we should or we don't look forward to prayer because we're not really approaching prayer to our, we're not really approaching our Heavenly Father as empty and vulnerable as, re, as we really are. I think we come half-hearted with canned phrases. I think we make requests with half-hearted faith. Because really, part of us thinks it doesn't really matter whether it's answered or not. And we're not truly convinced that he is such a powerful, good, and gracious father. What kind of request would you make if you knew he was? What kind of request would you make if you knew that he was not only sovereign and in control of all things and greater than you, but he was your Abba, Daddy, Father? What request would you make? What kind of answers would you see? How would it change your soul? How would it revolutionize your faith? Because if you see God answer this request, give, me, give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need today for the unique needs that today has. If you see God answer that request over and over again, how much faith would you have to ask for other things that he's promised to us? See, it's not just, we're not just making a request. This is a lifeline. Prayer is a lifeline 
to the one who has everything that we need and is absolutely willing and able to give us all that we need. Hear that? He will give us all that we need. God, as our Father, He's pledged Himself by Jesus. Think about what this means. Jesus, the Son of God, who's in union with the Father, is inviting us and telling us, this is how you pray. This is an invitation from the Godhead Himself to say, come to me and I will give you everything that you need. I will constantly and readily and directly give you all that you need. All that you need. Constantly readily and directly give you all that you need. But how can we be confident that God will give us all that we need? How can we be confident? First of all, because he's given his word. He's given his word. He's told us that he will provide for us. And he cannot lie. The best way to come before the Lord, knowing that he will answer your requests, is to come and pray his own words back to him and plead with him. Or as the Puritans used to say, sue the Lord for what he has promised you. But not only has he given his word, he's shown to be a good father. He sent his son for us. He's shown to you that he's a good father. And he's shown it. He's shown us himself in his son, in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ when we had no deserving for it. When there was nothing lovable about you or me, he loved you with an irrepressible, unending, never giving up love. When you weren't trying to earn or when you were trying to earn and you couldn't earn his love and goodness, he says, I give it to you unconditionally. Do you understand what that means? Unconditional love of the father through the son. He doesn't, he didn't wait for you. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, he is not waiting for you. Show me something so I can know whether you're something that I should invest in, someone I should invest in. He says, no, when you have nothing going for you, when you are dead in your trespasses and sins, when you are a rebel against the father, no, I came and I died for you. And not only that, I came after you and sought you in the hole, the particular hole that you were in. And I pulled you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a firm foundation. I have saved you and loved you. Not because I looked at you and say, look how admirable they are. Look how much they have going for them. We need them on our team, don't we? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, don't we need them on our team? No, I saw you when you had nothing and I pulled you up and I planted you and I loved you with an irrepressible love. I put faith in your soul when you didn't have faith in yourself. I poured out grace after grace after grace after grace after grace to you. I put people around you that prayed for you. I put people around you who shared the story with you. I put people around you who held you up even now when you're a believer and you keep on faltering, you keep on running back to Egypt as hard as you can. Every time I turn my back, you're running back to Egypt. Still I held you. Still I come after you. Still my Holy Spirit wells up within you. Still I keep you from going too far. That's the love and the grace of God. Righteousness for our sin and mercy for wrath and life for death. What more would he do for us? What more would he do? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us what? 
all things. How would that change how we approach the Father? We would approach the Father readily with our needs. We would come running in our hearts to Him. And we would ask Him expectantly, if you did that with Christ for me, then I can come and ask you expectantly for my daily bread. For all that I have need. It's a lifeline, but it's also a surrender. It's a surrender to what the Father sees as my needs. When I ask God, give us this day, give me this day, give us this day our daily bread, it's a prayer that's entrusting God to determine what I need. You determine it. You're daddy. You're the sovereign. You're the great one. You're my lifeline. You've done this for me in Christ. So I come entrusting to you to determine what I need. And that's a prayer of submission. God, I've been determining what I thought I needed. And I've been looking at you with distrust and dissatisfaction because what you, apparently what you think I need and what I think I need aren't lining up. But I'm surrendering and saying I'm entrusting myself to you to determine what I need. It's a prayer and trusting God to determine when he will supply our needs. I know he'll provide it today or tomorrow when I need it, but I don't know how it will happen. It may be far in advance or it might be right when I need it, but I entrust God. You are my father. You're my daddy. You are almighty. Give us this day our daily bread and I entrust myself. I submit myself to you in your timing. And it's a prayer and trusting God to determine how he will supply our needs. Sometimes it's humbling, right? My wife and I have been in that situation. We literally didn't, wouldn't know how we were going to get from month to month. And someone at church would shake my hand and put money in it. Money showed up in our mailbox. We didn't tell anybody of our needs. I don't know if we were prideful or just stupid, but we didn't tell people of our needs. People would just hand us things. Maybe you've had experiences like that. That's humbling when that happens, though, isn't it? I would much rather have my needs supplied through a fat wallet well ahead of time. But sometimes we forget. That fat wallet came from the Lord. And it's not mine. Are you submitted to him? Are you entrusting yourself to him? There are times where I, my youngest child is scared and I pick her up and I know she's entrusting herself to me. And there are times where I pick up my child and I know she's still not quite sure I've got her and she's gripping hard and pulling my hair out because she's not sure. Sometimes we hold on to God like that. Why not? 
Is he your father? Can you say that this morning? Can you say that he's your father? Does your heart run to him in adoration? Do you cry for his kingdom to come? Do you follow him and submit to him as your king? If not, what use is daily bread for you? If you're outside the fatherly love of God, instead, the wrath of almighty God is upon you. Today, surrender and hear his voice calling to you. Come home to me. You'll find that I am an eminently trustable, but surrender to me. Today. You need daily bread. You need this today. Don't leave today without doing that kind of work with the Lord. And Christian, are, are you walking in foolish independence? Are you walking in distrust to your heavenly father? Do you, do you have faltering faith that God can or even wants to supply all your needs? Hear his reminder to you today. I am all that you need and I will give you all that you need. Fall in his arms today. Maybe if you're a Christian, the way that you fall in his arms today, maybe you need to sit and pray this morning. Maybe you need to ask someone to pray with you. But one tangible way you can fall in his arms today is we're getting ready to partake of communion as we do every week. The bread and the juice, the body and the blood. And you can come to him, your bread. And say, just as this bread is provided for me today, I come entrusting myself to you this morning. I've come falling in your mighty arms today saying, God, please help me to trust you. And show me that you are good, that you are mighty, and that I can cry, Abba, Father, and I know that you will provide all that I need today, tomorrow, and through all eternity. If you're a believer in Christ, this meal is open for you. There'll be two stations on either side. You come up from the outside. You, they'll hand you the, the wafer. They'll hand you the cup. You can return back to your chair, partake of it as you see fit. And we're going to worship together the Lord today. Let me pray. Father in heaven, our hearts cry, hallowed be your name. We thank you for your goodness and your graciousness to us in Christ. God, we thank you that we can entrust ourselves to you for our daily bread. That it all comes from you. God, I pray that you would stir in some of our souls this morning a fresh effect of the adventure of what it means to trust you for our daily bread. To trust you and cry out to you for all that I need today. no matter how comfortable we may look on the outside, that we would experience that freshness, that adoration and worship and wonder at our God in heaven, who's also our good father. We pray this in the name of your, the eldest son, Jesus Christ.